Well, we're going to actually just jump right into the text tonight. And uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel. If you open your Bibles, if you have it, get ready. Get ready to study. Let me pray for us that we can be made those people. Amen. Can I pray? Father, we come to you asking that you would make us just people that really want to serve you, really want to cherish you, really want to walk with you, God. That we just be spirit-led day by day. Man, just reaching out wherever we go, ready to pray for people. Lord, wake us up. We are sleeping throughout the week. We pray, God, that there would be a change within us. That we'd want to step out and be those people you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Alright. Well, we're in the book of 1 Samuel tonight. We just finished the book of Ruth. We're actually in Samuel chapter 3, but I'm going to lay a small foundation of this book, and then we're just going to dig right in, all right, all right, the book of Samuel, I'm just going to read a few things here, um, just about the background, the date, you know, when it was written, the author, just listen closely, the date they say is 1100 BC, 1100 years BC, um, the date of writing in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, it's so difficult to determine when, with any kind of accuracy because it's tied up with the author. And the author is, we're uncertain of the author. We're not sure. Even though it's named after Samuel, we're not 100% sure who wrote it. The authorship can be dated at an earlier period, perhaps even during the times of the events between 1050 and 970 B.C. The background of this book, these uh, two books... 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, all right, listen. These two books formed in the Hebrew Bible only one book. In the Hebrew Bible, did you hear that? In the Tanakh, it is one book, as did the two books of Kings. In the Septuagint, they were each broken into two parts. This division came by recognized to the present day. I'm sorry, came to be recognized to the present day. The four books of Samuel and Kings are sometimes called by the Jews the four books of kings, or as the Septuagint calls them, the four books of the kingdoms. The four books. Which ones? First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. The books of Samuel take their name from the judge who played the major role at the beginning of the book. The book of Samuel formed the former prophets in the Hebrew Bible when they combined with Joshua, Judges, and the kings. Okay. The author. Let's take a look. Many scholars think Samuel, along with Nathan and Gad, wrote the book of First and Second Samuel based on First Chronicles 29. However, there is no mention of the author in the book of Samuel. Bottom line. Ancient Jewish tradition states that Samuel wrote the first 24 chapters and the rest were written by Nathan and Gad. Some suggest that Zabud, son of Nathan, the prophet, wrote it as he was to close, as he was close to King Solomon. But whoever the author was, they would have access to the actual events or to reliable documents recording the events of Samuel, Saul, and David. The four books of the kings have indications that other documents have been used for some sections of their accounts in compiling the information found in them. Sorry. Listen to these. These things are interesting. In 1 Samuel 10, it states that there was a book with accounts of kings written in it. 
and kept for reference. So this is where they're getting. These are wherever the, whoever the author is. This is where he's getting his stories from. A book with the account of the kings. In Second Samuel, there's a book called the Book of Jasher, which is also spoken about. Uh, made mention of the Acts of Solomon is another. The Book of Chronicles of the Kings of Israel or Judah. The records of Samuel, the records of Nathan, the prophet, and the records of Gad. So that's pretty much um, a little foundation of where it comes from. But we don't know what the author is. We don't know who he is because, um, well, the last six chapters, Samuel's dead. So uh, they think maybe Nathan took over and started writing it. But we'll just look through it. We know that the Holy Spirit has written it for it speaks to our lives. It's powerful. And that's the most important thing. Um, the outline, what we'll see is these first four chapters of the book of 1 Samuel. Listen to these. You're going to see the story of kind of Eli, this man that takes Samuel under his wing, kind of disciples him a little bit. Then you're going to see the story of Samuel. Then you're going to see the story of Saul. And then you're going to see the story of David there at the end. So Eli, Samuel, Saul, and David, the four characters we'll be looking at within this book closely. Tonight we are going to take a look at the birth of Samuel, where he came from, or how he came to be, the dedicate his mother dedicating him to the Lord. His mother's name is Hannah. There's a sweet there's some sweet story in here. I'm actually I'm going to um to just tell the story and bomb through it, these chapters. They're actually pretty short, so um let's read together. Starting at chapter one, we're gonna start and lay a foundation for this book. Father speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now there was a certain man of Ramathium of Zophim and Mount Ephraim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elakna, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, and Ephrathite. Ephrathite, and he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Penina, I'm sorry. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This year, and this man went up to the city yearly to worship and sacrifice unto the Lord, hosts in Shiloh, and two other sons of Eli, Hophni and all these guys, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elena, I'm sorry, what is this? I can't see it. Let me look closely. Lacana, there it is, offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to the others her sons, her daughter's portions. But Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord shut her womb. So there's, okay, there's this man and he has two wives, Penina and Hannah. And Hannah cannot have children. The Lord has shut up her womb. I bet just for a sweet miracle. Man, we see many women these days go through these kind of things where they try to have a baby and that doesn't work at man. It doesn't happen. The Lord shuts up the womb and sometimes it comes and sometimes it doesn't. But it's always for a miracle. And we're going to see a sweet one tonight. Watch what the Lord does. Verse 6. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. So her adversary, who's that? That's Penina. That's uh, the other wife. See, that's the problem right there, bottom line. You have two wives. I mean, come on. This is ridiculous. Um, number one, the women are going to fight. But number two, it's like you're going to show more attention to the other. This is a ridiculous doctrine. Who? I mean, come on. This, could you do that? It's the ways of the world. It's clear as day. 
but they fight, and the one who can have babies, Penina, makes fun of Hannah. Aha, you can't have babies. Aha, you don't have children and all this. But watch how the Lord prevails. Maybe there's some who make fun of you in this day. King's going to pull through. Maybe your family mocks you. Maybe your friends mock you, your old friends. Maybe they wonder, like, what's this Jesus stuff? You know, anyways. I remember the boys used to try to clown me in the locker room. Yeah, Josh, yeah, you do the Jesus thing. Yeah, whatever. Call me Holy One. They call me Holy Roller all the time. And then they would clown. They would try to clown when we're in public. But then one of them, each one of them, individually, when we start talking about Jesus, they'd come to me in private and say, Hey, man, I really respect that, you know, that you, you know, you fear God and you walk with him. Dude, get out of my face. I will backhand you. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. It's like you front master. In front of the guys, you clown. But that's the way it is. You know, it's all right. Because you know what? They don't go to the party guy to get prayer. Nope. They don't go to the party guy for advice either. They come sneaking around the corner. You know, Josh, hey, man, I know you pray and stuff. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't know, you know. Could you uh, just lift up, you know, uh, you know, maybe talk to him for me or something? You know, could you do Did you got it. Let me pray right now. Right now? Yeah, right now. Hey, man. <laughs> I got him. <laughs> great opportunities my friends when things aren't working out there's great opportunity for god to move when things are fine and dandy hey we're fine we don't seek the face of god but when things get weary don't we fall on our face oh it's just how christians are man it's how us people work watch what god's about to do verse seven and he did so year by year when she went up to the house of the lord she provoked her Therefore she wept and did not eat. This woman, Penina, kept provoking Hannah in such a way where she didn't even want to eat. She was sick to her stomach. Aha, you you can't have any kids. Can you imagine how that must have just, just heavy on her heart? Really just killing her. And she didn't even want to eat and she wept. She cried many nights. And then Elkanah, right? Her husband... Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you? Why don't you eat? Why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better than you ten sons? See, the husband treats Hannah better than he treats Penina. He loves Hannah for some reason. He really cherishes her and he treats her very well. And he says to her, am I not better than ten sons to you? You have me. So Hannah rose up, verse 9, and they had eaten in Shiloh. And after they had drunk, now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Who? Hannah. She came to the temple and she starts crying out to God. Right there in front of Eli. We're going to see who this guy is. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look upon the affliction of thy handmaid, speaking of herself, remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child or a baby. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. So what did she do? She said, Lord, Lord, Hannah, your servant has come to you. If you will give me a baby, I will give him back to you, and he will be yours all the days of his life. You can have him. I will give him back to you. Amazing. 
Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, I'm sorry, verse 12, And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth, for he saw her mouth was moving. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunk? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am, not, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have not drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Interesting. Stop there. Did you notice? Eli, the priest, he's sitting there in the temple and he sees Hannah over here praying. Notice, when she's praying, she's moving her mouth. Like that. Like that. Remember? We've talked about it many times. When we pray, I encourage you to pray with your mouth. Speak out loud. Josh, is it okay to pray within myself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. You pray within your mind, your heart. But I'm telling you, but watch. When I pray within my mind, I've stopped doing this because when I do it, I, my mind wanders and I forget what I'm even praying about. And I'm thinking about Doritos or something in like two seconds. Like, what happened? What happened to, oh, Jesus, save me from my sin? In and out. Sounds good. You know? I want a coffee right now. Oh, uh, man. You know, this oh, the seat's nice, nicer than I thought. You know, like all kinds of things in my car start singing the song or whatever, and I miss out. I think it's important to pray with your mouth. Because, hey, either you're a loony talking to the sky, or you're really talking to God, my friend, and He's hearing you. And you're building a relationship with Him. And isn't that what it's about? It's about talking with Him. It's about hanging out. How, how do I build a relationship with any of you? It's by opening my mouth and talking. It's not like, I'm going to come sit next to you and mm, listen to me. You know, like understand what I'm saying. You know, like, I. it's not about that. It's a, it, The only way I know how to communicate is by opening my mouth. And so why wouldn't I build a relationship with God in the same way I build a relationship with anybody else? Bottom line, it's easy. Open your mouth and talk to your God. And watch how you will be blessed because you're spending time with God. Your person your mind is communicating to itself. I am talking out loud. I am communicating. I am experiencing the living God right now. It's like when we speak within ourselves, sometimes it's like, am I even praying or am I not praying or am I, I don't know. Step out. She did. Watch what happens. And Eli even saw it. Like she's over there talking. You know, somebody even called me out for that once. Because I, I like to pray out loud in public and like look at the sky and all this. I'm like, what's wrong? I mean, you're weird. It's like, yeah, I, I guess I am, you know. That's what I used to do in the desert. That's all I knew in Mexico. That's how I learned to talk to God in such an intimate way. And I and I tried to bring it back here and be open. It was just like, uh-oh, who's a weird guy with a beard, you know, like talking to the sky, you know. Like, Woo-hoo, you know. Like, I mean, walking down the street, oh, I just, I love doing that. Like, I used to walk down there and, and, and I would just clap and just do whatever I want, you know, maybe a little skip here and there, you know. Just like, just walking with the Lord and just enjoying Him and praising Him and worshiping Him. I didn't care. And maybe somebody would see me. It's like the Hare Krishna guy. Remember the guy out there? Remember he used to play his tambourine there on Alessandra all the time? And it's, hey, 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 hey. You know, like, do this whole thing. I didn't do that. I didn't have a row, but... But, man, that's how David did it, I believe. He's just open with the Lord. Just hung out, spent time with Him. Let's move on. So Hannah here is praying out to God, and Eli sees her moving her mouth and talking to him, and is like, are you drunk? Are you wasted? She's like, no, man, my heart's filled with sorrow, and I'm crying out to God. 
Verse 16, Count not thy handmaid for a daughter of Bilal. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken here other. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant you thy petition that you have asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Amen. That is what happens every single time you hang out with God. Your countenance will no longer be sad, my friends. He will fill you with joy. Verse 19, And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came into the house to Ramah and El Elkanah, sorry, knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Or, yeah, they do what married people do, and uh, the Lord remembered her, and she became pregnant. Verse 20, Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Samuel means just that, asked of the Lord, asked of the Lord. And the man of Cana and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice in his vows. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. Wow. She's going to give her baby up to the Lord. But notice, notice he had to be weaned first. Weaned. What does this mean? To stop the baby from drinking the milk of its mother. Weaned. Pulled away. Stopped. Cut off. And man, I remember um, when I was in the desert with John that Peter John, his son, came down and gave a huge message on us being weaned of a certain thing. What is it that we need to be weaned of in order that we can come close to the Lord. In order that we can come closer to the Lord and abide with Him forever. What is it? What needs to be taken away? What needs to be stripped of your life? What is the thing? And many times because of disobedience, God cannot move any further within our lives, family. You know those things. Is there something tonight that the Father may be speaking to you about? Is it a relationship? Is it a person? Is it something you idolize. This is something you spend a lot of time on. This is something that you're so focused in that you can't let go of. A child to its mother, that's about the tightest as you can get. And to be weaned of that so that he can be available for the Lord, hey, that's what was needed. And in order for us to abide with the Lord forever, there are many things that we need to be weaned of. And I know exactly what it was. I can remember this day. What it was that when Peter John was speaking, you need to be weaned of this. I was like, oh snap, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. Is there something that you know right now? Think about it. Right now. Without a shadow of doubt, I need to be weaned of this. If you do, then what do you... Come on. Take the step, my family. Don't miss out. Cut the tie. Go on record. My buddy Stephen, man, my buddy Stephen Thompson, one of the brothers in Mexico, he has called me three times probably in the last two weeks, confessing to me the same thing. That's embarrassing. That's hard. But I look at him and I, on the phone I say, you're forgiven, man. You continue seeking Jesus. You run to him. 
You fall on your face in repentance. And I pray with Him and minister to Him. And He is determined. He goes on record with me. You see that? He goes on record with me and confesses and is open. Maybe you need to go on record with somebody and say, Hey, I know what I need to be weaned of. Can you hold me that? I want to let it go. And I want to make a decision right now to do that. If that's you, make the decision. What are you waiting for? Right now. Let's move on. So Samuel needed to be weaned from his mother in order that she can take him to the temple and give him to the Lord. In verse 23, And Lecanah, Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seems good to you. Tarry until you have weaned him. Only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until he was weaned until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with their three bulls and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. The child was young, just a baby. Just an infant, just 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 done breastfeeding. This this baby, and she and they slew the bull and brought the child to Eli and said, "O oh my Lord, as the, as thy soul live, my Lord, I am the woman that stood before you, praying unto you, Lord, for this child I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition which I asked him. Therefore also." I have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. He shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Amazing. That ends chapter 1. Amazing. She comes to the Lord and says, Here it is. Here is the baby that you promised me. Remember? Penina? Oh, you can't have a baby. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Remember? Hannah not even being able to weep. I mean, not even be able to eat. And she wept day after day, just sick to her stomach because she couldn't have a child. And the Lord gave it to her. And look what she did. She offered it back to Him. Isn't that awesome? You know what one of the brothers did? I was there at the well on Friday night. That reminds me. Commercial, you ready? This Friday night, we're having a party. At the well, Friday night, college and career harvest. It's up the, it's up the uh, stairs, and it's going to be in the fellowship hall. I gave out the flyers a couple weeks ago. But um, there's going to still be a full message and worship and all these things. But then afterwards, we're breaking out the barbecue. we got a band coming out. My buddy Daniel Arsh, sickest musician, going to come and bring it. We're going to have coffee and all this. And just just a time to hang out and fellowship and party. So um, if you guys want, we're going to be there late, hanging out. And uh, this Friday night, don't miss out. We'll be bringing the word, too. So praise God. Um, Ah, my buddy. He was in need of a baby. No, not a baby. But something else, a bow for his violin. And he was in need, and I felt the burden like, what? You're in need and no one has given to you? What is with this, with people in the family of Christ being in need anywhere? This is ridiculous. It's like if we see a need, if we can take care of it, we should take care of it right there. Why not? Why? We're family. That's what we do for one another, right? I hope. Well, my buddy was in need. That's the reason why he wasn't playing worship with us. I'm just like, dude, how much is that thing? 
It's like, well, you know, it's probably like 70, 100 bucks, but for the good one, it's like 150, 160. He needed a pickup for his instrument. It wasn't a bow, and you need a pickup, and I'm just like, dude, that's it, man. I'm going to ask if we can just take an offering right now, right? I didn't tell him that, but I heard that within my heart, and so I went to the people. I think maybe I've told the story already, but I went to the people and said, hey, we got a need. And so if you feel led to give, then give. Give in the name of Jesus right now. You just I'm not even going to tell you. I didn't even tell him the need. I just said that we have a brother and he's in need and family we need to give. Bottom line. And everybody just, I played a song and they all came and just started throwing this money in my guitar suitcase. Or my, my, my guitar case, not suitcase. My guitar case. Where did that come from? <laughs> Anyways, so I throwing all this money in there. And, and I, I counted up in the end of the night. I'm like, Lord, please, just let us have just 160. That would just be so sweet for him to be able to get the nice, you know, the nice pickup. Just a really nice one. That would be so sweet. And I counted up, somebody had given a $100 bill, 20s everywhere. There's like over 360 bucks in there. I'm like, I didn't even count the change. It's just like all kinds, I'm like, you know, God is real, man. And I gave it to him, and he just, you know, come to tears, you know, just so blessed. He said, don't you ever worry. The king will always provide for you. You know what he did? The Lord brought him his baby. You know what he did? He gave it back. He went and bought, and then he came to me and said, Josh, I want to pay for somebody's camp. I'm going to pay 140 bucks or whatever, and I want to pay for them to be able to go and be blessed. Can you can you make that happen for me? Can you find out? Know what? He said by name the Lord had told him somebody, and he gave that to me, and I was able to bless somebody with that. Long live the king. When the Lord blesses, gosh, if He has blessed you, give it back, family. Watch how He will use it in great ways when you're faithful. Amen? Let's move on. So Hannah gives back to the Lord. She gives her baby back. Ladies, I mean, I don't have a kid, you know, but I, I just, I mean, I can't even imagine what it would be like for a mother to give her son away. To give him away to give him to the Lord and say, I want him to serve the Lord all of his life. And I'm not... I and may that be a testimony. Girls, listen up. When you have babies, gosh, may you get on your face in your bedroom and lift that baby to the king and say, this is yours. I want to dedicate him to you. You have your way in his life. And, and pops, fathers, listen up. You lay your hands on that boy. You lay your hands on that girl. You say, Father... I commit this into your hands. You have your way. Help me to minister to this one daily. I want to lend him to you, King. I want him to rise up. That's the greatest thing about having a family is we're going to raise a godly generation. I'm so excited. I can't wait to start praying with my kids, you know, just from the day that just every day, you know, just pray. As soon as they can talk, I want them to pray. I want them to know Jesus. I don't even want it to be a question like, is God real? It's just the obvious. It's obvious. I talk to Him daily. That's what we do. That's what me and my dad do. That We just we, we know God. We walk with Him. love to see my boy, you know, when he's five years old, praying for the kids in the, the sandbox, you know, because they got an alley. I would love that. Amen. Do a little altar call right there. Hey, if you don't know Jesus, come right now. You know. That's what I'm talking about. Trying to baptize him in the mud puddle right there, you know, trying sorry, we'll stop. But man, it's sweet, it's wonderful, it's a blessing. Can we be that? Can we be that generation? 
Can we start right now? Can we continue this walk and even go deeper into the waters? Can we start making changes within our lives where, hey, Lord, wean me of whatever you need so that I can be set apart for you, so I can be dedicated? Because I want to be a blessing to my family. I want to be a blessing to the people around me, to my wife, or to my husband. I want to be ready. Make me that person. Mold me and shape me. Sorry. Amen? Let's move on. And Hannah prayed. Hannah prayed as she lifts her son. She said, My heart rejoice in the Lord. This is a long prayer. Watch what she says. This is awesome. She sings this song. She prays the Lord. She prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. You, okay, you got to look at it through her eyes. Okay, we're going to continue reading, but look at it through her eyes. Remember Penina looking down at her? Oh, you're not going to have a baby. Aha, I got babies and you don't have any. And then God pulls through for her. God parts the Red Sea and look how she rejoices. She gives it back to God. Look at her heart. She says, verse 2, There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside you. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more exceedingly proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge. By Him actions are weighed. She's she's calling out non-believers or anybody. She's saying, hey, the Lord is holy and there is none beside Him. Don't be talking proudly about yourself or arrogantly. Don't let it come out of your mouth, for the Lord is God. Verse 4, The bows of mighty men are broken, that they stumble and are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren has bore seven, and she has many children, is wax feeble. The Lord killeth, and maketh alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raised up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the thrones of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and He has set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of His saints and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by the strength shall no man prevail. Whoa. This is awesome. The Lord said, I make the man poor and I make the man rich. Nothing happens in this earth except for by my hand. Everything is moved. Everything happens by me and me alone. I raise it up. I sit it down. If you're poor right now, then know that God has you in the place that he has you for this season, for this reason. Maybe to break you. If you are rich and God has you in this place for this season, for some reason, I grew up poor. And it's broke me. It's helped me to appreciate little things, man. I know what it means to eat from the dollar menu, okay? Bottom line. I know what it means to, like, top ramen, 10 cents at staters. I know I can survive on that. And when you go through those kind of things, character is built like no other. God, how could you make me poor? What? God forbid he make you rich and be spoiled all the days of your life and you never experience any hardship where you have to cling to God. Praise him in your hard time. It is an opportunity for you to grow. Don't get upset at him. Praise him. He knows what he's doing. He's not 
scared or, or messing things up. He understands exactly where you're at in your life. The illustration of the chess master. The chess master, the top player in the world. One man who was telling the story said he went to play this chess master and he would make a move and he said this guy was always like seven to ten moves ahead of him. Even though he was one of the best in the world, he would go to make a move and the guy was always ahead of him. He couldn't beat the guy. He couldn't think... He said this guy, he just knew every single move. He had everything under control. He knew it was happening on the board. And the illustration is perfect for our lives. God is not worried when hard times come to you. He's seven steps ahead of you, my friend. He is seven moments, situations, hours, days, months, years. He is seven ahead of you. Stop trying to wonder why these things are happening and just praise God. The Lord gives... And the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? If He's taken from you, then praise Him. Remember Job's wife? Why don't you curse God and die? Your life is terrible. I will not. I will not. I will trust Him. I just love these words here. We're in, we're in verse 9. I'm going to read it again. Listen. Listen, saints. Do you see your word there? you see your name there? Saints, listen. He will keep the feet of his saints. Who? God. And the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth. And he shall give strength unto the kings. I'm sorry. He shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. He lay... Elkanah went to Ramah to his house, and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. Wow. She finishes her prayer. Elkanah goes away, and he leaves the child. And what does it say there? It says, And the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. A child ministering unto God. Radical. That's awesome. We're going to see it again. Let's move forward. Now the sons of Eli were not, were sons of Bilalel. They knew not the Lord. So Eli, you know, the priest, the guy in the temple, his sons did not know the Lord. And they rebel. Look what they do. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was in seething. With a flesh hook and three teeth in his hand and he struck into it the pan or the kettle or cauldron and or pot and the flesh hook brought up the pre- brought up the priest took for himself they did in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came thither so what happens is is hey while the burnt offering was going on and everything's being um, cooked it's like when a sacrifice happens many times after the sacrifice after the barbecue went down straight up that's what's happening you're taking the meat of the cow, and you're placing it on the fire, and it's all the all, everything's being burnt up, everything's being ordered. Well, the priest would come and take the meat away, all right, and they would eat it. Yeah, they would. And so this is it's just saying this, but look what look what these boys were doing. Look at what Eli's sons were doing. Also, before they burnt the fat, the priest servant came and said to the man, "Sacrifice, give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have solid flesh of thee, but raw." So these boys would come up while the 
these these uh, PKs, if I can call them, the priest kids, <laughs> they would come up during the sacrifice and they would want to, these teenagers, these rebellious kids, to come up and they would try to take from the meat while it hadn't even been burnt yet, while it's raw. It's like back backhand to the Lord. I mean, it's it's spitting in the Lord's face. Verse 16, And if any man said unto him, Let not fail to burn the fat presently, then take as much as thy soul desireth, then he would answer him, Nay, but thou shalt give it to me now, and if not, I will take it by force. So these boys are like, the guy who's doing the sacrifice like, man, just come on, just hold up, all right? Just let the sacrifice be burnt like it's supposed to. Let the fat, don't don't take it raw. And the boy would say to him, no, you're going to give it to me now or I'm going to take it by force. Like pretty much, if you don't give me the meat, we're going to throw down right now. Yeah, priest, I don't care who you are, Mr. Holy Garments. Oh, you, you're going to, they're going to fight. And so they're just like, fine, man, take whatever you want. You want to fight over it? Wherefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. You see? They disrespected it. They didn't care. Oh, we could preach a whole sermon on that. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with linen, ephod. The child, the child ministered unto the Lord. This is amazing. Let's continue. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer yearly sacrifice. She brought him a little coat. That's sweet. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, Lord, give thee seed of the woman and loan for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went unto their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare these three sons and two daughters. And the child Samson grew up before the Lord. So the Lord blessed Hannah with five children. Amen. What a blessing. Let's move on. Now, Eli was very old and heard all that the sons had done unto Israel and how they had lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all the people. No, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sins against another, the judge shall judge him. But if man sins against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Now with standings, they hearken not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. They're about to be killed. So... Not only were they taking the barbecue and eating it raw, which is blasphemy, but they were laying with the women. They were players. <laughs> they were the young guys who thought they were hot, going to all the clubs, trying to get with all the girls, and making the people fall. These are the priests' kids, the PKs. And, and their father tries to rebuke them, but they do not listen. And so, the Lord, even though they, wouldn't, they weren't going to listen, the Lord's pretty much going to kill them. Like, what? God's going to kill them? Well, if God looks at a person's life and sees and knows that they will never turn to Him, He can use them in whatever way He deals with. And He can use them to set an example for all. You're like, man, that's a bummer. No, that's, that's justice. That's righteousness. That's doing what is right. 
to let the people know and understand that these things are wrong. This is not good. If someone murders another intentionally, they should be killed. To murder someone, to take someone's life, the repercussions, they should go to prison. They should get the death penalty. Bottom line. And these men have gone too far. They've backhanded the Lord many times. And they've made a terrible example of the king, these PKs. So look what happens. Verse 27. And there came a man of God unto Eli, and he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, I plainly appeared in the house of the Father, where they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house. Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon thine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And did I, did I give unto the house of thy fathers all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and my offerings, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me to make yourselves fat with the cheapest of all offerings of Israel, my people? The Lord's pretty much a saint. And wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house, and the house of the Father, should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me. For them that honor me I will honor. They that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm, and the arm of the Father's house, that there shall not be an old man in thine house. And the man of thine womb, the man of thine, whom I shall not cut off from thine, mine altar, shall be to consume thine eyes, to grieve thine heart. And all the increase of thine house shall die in the flower of their age. And this shall be a sign unto thee that shall come upon thy two sons, unhoping, hope nigh, and Phineas, and in one day they shall die both of them. And I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before mine anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left in thine house shall come and crouch to him for a piece of silver and morsel of bread, and shall say, Put me, I pray thee, in one of the priest's office that I may eat a piece of bread. Stop there. Chapter 2 is done. We should be done. So, the Lord says pretty much He's just going to kill off Eli's family because they have not been faithful. I wonder if Eli has grown old. He's kind of a picture. It's interesting. In this next chapter, we're going to see real quick. Why doesn't the Lord come to Eli, the priest? He ends up coming to Samuel, the child. And many times, we as believers... And maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a while. A lot of times we get stale in our walks when we get old. And the Lord decides to speak to the new. Because they're fired up, they're excited, they're ready to hear, they're ready to listen. And you're going to watch, you're going to see right now. The picture is clear. Eli, the Lord isn't speaking to him. And he doesn't get up out of bed. There's... It is not him who gets up out of bed. It is Samuel, the child, who gets up out of bed when the Lord calls to him four times. And many times we will not get up out of bed. 
we are older and God's calling us to do the simple things like service, the simple things like ministering, praying for somebody, reaching out, listening to a message, like stepping out, whatever it may be, the simple things that we did when we were Christians right there in the beginning, many times because we're seasoned, we think we don't need the, or we're careful, careful. We've got to get back to the basics, man. Back to our first love. The thing that fired us up in the beginning. God speaks to the one who is willing. That's it. And if it is the child over the priest who has been serving in the temple for years upon years upon years, if it is the the 16-year-old teenage boy that he will speak to instead of the 60-year-old man who has been in the pulpit for 30 or 40 years because his ears are glued shut. He thinks he knows. Then God will do that. He will raise up those whom He will raise up. Whoever is ready and willing to listen. Family, 21 verses. Let's go. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. Gosh. Okay, real quick. I got to talk about this. There is a difference between between ministering unto the Lord and ministering for the Lord. Do you understand? Ministering for the Lord is things that we do in the church, helping out, doing this, doing our thing, whatever gift we have. We're doing it for the Lord. We're ministering to the people. We're stepping out. It's the second commandment: loving people. But what is ministering to the Lord? Ministering to the Lord. This is what Samuel did as a child. This is what I learned in the desert. Ministering to the Lord is completely different from doing things for the Lord. Okay? You have got ministering unto the Lord. Take whatever you do. If you draw a picture, if that's what you're good at, then go draw a picture for the Lord in private when no one else sees. Crumble it up and give it to Him. Let it be your best. Play Him a song, musicians. Write a song that no one hears but Him. Bake him a cake. I don't know. However you minister, do it unto him. Spend time with him. Build a relationship with him. Minister unto him. It is mentioned three times already that the child Samuel ministers unto the Lord. It says he has not done anything for the people yet. No, he has fulfilled the first commandment alone. And do you know that you cannot minister unto the people until you minister unto God? You can't. And you will never be able to. You have got to minister unto Him. You've got to step out and build your relationship with Him and watch how God will change you. You've got to be filled before you can give. Maybe you're running on empty tonight. Go talk with Him. Go minister unto Him. Be filled. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Meaning what? That God didn't speak much in those days. I wonder why. There hasn't been a king in Israel for a long time. There's these judges like Samson who, hey, served for like 20 years but then just rebelled. We read that story. These judges, there's just all this wickedness going on. There isn't a king in Israel. People are doing what is right in their own eyes. Remember the scriptures? Nobody wants to look to God and it says that it's been very quiet in those days. Maybe it's been quiet in your life. Understand why. Do you not hear the voice of the Lord? There was no vision in those days. 
And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. So Eli's going blind, the priest, the old man. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel laid down to sleep. Okay, so they laid down there in the tabernacle. They laid down to go to sleep. And the Lord called to Samuel. Listen, this is awesome. The Lord called to Samuel and he said, Here am I. And he ran to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. So what happens? The Lord calls Samuel. Samuel, here I am. Eli, Eli, here I am. You called me, right? Go lay down, boy. Go back to sleep. Why isn't the Lord calling out to Eli? Why isn't he saying, Eli? It is because we have not seen him once minister unto the Lord. But we have seen the boy Samuel minister unto the Lord three times. Interesting. Verse 6, And the Lord called yet again unto Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. And he answered, I called not, my son. Lie down. Verse 7, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Meaning, he has never heard the voice of God before. He's a young child. He has not heard the voice of God, but he has ministered unto him. And I can testify to you, family, that I have never heard the voice of God audibly within my life, but I will continue to minister unto him daily to the best of my ability. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for for you did call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down. And it shall be, if he calls you, that that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood. Interesting. The Lord came and stood and called. As at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant hears. And the Lord said unto Samuel, He's going to share something real quick. Just stop right there. And then... We're going to close it. Wow. The Lord spoke to him. Your servant hears. Your servant heareth. I am listening. Family. When you go to spend time with God by yourself and reading the Word... Do you not come with a pen and paper? And if you don't, why don't you have one? What if God speaks to you? Will you not write it down? I remember John telling us, he says, Boys, when you go out into the desert to spend time with God, take a pen and paper. Are you expecting God to speak to you or not? It's like if somebody prays, if it's raining, and they pray, Lord, Lord, please stop the rain. But then they go and grab an umbrella. What? I thought you prayed that the rain would stop. Put the umbrella down. I thought you were going to seek the face of God. Don't you expect Him to speak to you? No. Why not? Every time the people seek the face in the Old Testament, they hear Him. And in the New Testament, why not us? Because we don't want to hear. We want to sleep. I wonder if there's been times when you've been sleeping at night and maybe the Lord's woke you up in the middle of the night. Many times. 
And I'll be laying there in bed, and I'm just like, what is it? What? Why am I wide awake? This doesn't happen. I sleep like a rock. Many times the Lord will speak to us at random moments, at random situations, at random times, but are we willing to get out of bed? Are we willing to step out and be ready to receive from the Lord? That's the key, family. Your servant hears. Your servant hears. Be ready to hear him, family. Let's close this. Ten verses, you ready? And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth shall tingle. And the day I will perform against Eli and all the things I have spoken concerning his house, when I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Do you see that? He restrained them not. He did nothing to stop them. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not Purge, be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show, feared to show Eli the vision. He didn't want to tell him what the Lord had spoken to him. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is it the thing that the Lord has said unto you? I pray you hide it not from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he has said unto you. Wow, there must be something burden on his heart, huh? It says that the Lord had already told Eli, remember we just read it, that he's going to destroy his family, he's going to wipe him out. So he's just like, please tell me, tell me, you got to tell me. And so Samuel's like, all right. And Samuel told him every wit, verse 18, and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, let him do what seemeth him good. Wow. Eli said, do whatever you think is right, Lord. Verse 19, and Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of the words fall to the ground, meaning he had words of wisdom. And all Israel from Dan, even to Beersheba, knew what Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Wow. We just blasted through three chapters. Feels good. But man, there was something special about that boy, wasn't there? Something different. And it said there in those last verses that everyone in Israel knew that he was called. Everyone knew what he was supposed to be doing. And you know what? Listen up. This last thing. Can people look in your life And will they point the finger and say, I know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. I know exactly what their gift is. I know where they're moving. I know what they're called to. Can people look at you and say, this is who they are. I know. Can they say it about you? If they can't, I wonder why. Because family, are we even stepping out and being used of God? I can look at a J-Mart's life and I know what he's called to, okay? Bottom line, I don't need to figure it out. I know Brian, I know what he's called to. What are you called to? What is the thing that God wants to do? Everyone knew, everyone in Israel, everyone knew who Samuel Samuel was. And it says that none of his words fell to the ground. What a great picture. That means every word that he said, the E people were just like, speak it, man, we want to hear. We're ready. Because you are the prophet. 
And you are the one we will follow. God wants to use you. I believe God wanted to use Eli. And he wanted to use his family. That's why he raised him up. But these guys, they chose to steal the barbecue and they chose to go and sleep with the women of the city. Make a bad name for God and God's like, that's it. I'm taking them out. Don't, please, listen. Get this. Please, don't, I don't want to say allow God or let God or force Him to have to raise somebody else up to take the position that you are called to take. Has God called you to something? Does He want to use you in a special place? But He can't because you don't want to be weaned. You don't want to let it go. God, gang, He wants to use you. You gotta make that decision, you gotta make that change. If you don't step up, God's gonna raise somebody else up. Bottom line. If you want it, Dave, you can have it, man. And if you want it, you can really, truly have it. James, make a stand. Justin, step it up, man. Do whatever it takes. You make the change. If God's calling you to something, then do it. Move forward. Don't miss the opportunity. It's right there. I believe God's revealing things to you guys right now. I believe it. He's speaking to you. There are things that you need to do. Let's pray. Father, I believe you, King. And Lord, we need to do some business right now. I believe, I, I just feel it, Lord. We need to do business. Family, we're going to do business. Let's just talk it over with the Lord. Let's just, right now, let's let's speak with our mouths like Hannah did. Let's cry out to the Lord. Let's let Him know what's going on. Just right now, please, just take this, just about a minute or so. Come on, let's just talk it over with Him. Let's just, let's just spend this quiet time. Speak with your mouth, not so loud the person next to you can hear, but just quiet enough. You can lift your life and whatever it is going on inside to Him. Whatever you need to be weaned of. Whatever you need to be drawn to. Wherever you want to be taken. Amen? Let's go before Him. I'm going to go too. And Father, we we as a family, can you guys agree with me from your hearts? If you want to say yay and amen, then you say it. Father, we we come to you as a family and we just ask... Man, that you would take it away. That you would push us forward. And that we would be a people that want to serve you and live for you. Stand for righteousness. We want to be set apart like Samuel. God, we don't want to miss out on the opportunities you've set before us. And so please, change us. Do that work in us right now, Lord. We give you our lives. We lay it down. And right now, would you do that work in us? Would you bring us that much closer? Thank you for hearing. Thank you for speaking to us. Bless these in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love you guys. Dang.
It's two weeks in a row. That's all right. Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you tonight. The rest of your week, amen.